All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, another episode of the Balance with the Blues Brothers podcast. Uh, sorry, getting ahead of myself a little bit here. Uh, to review, we've got two city matches uh, to review. Um, one was uh, pretty painful. The other was uh, extremely painful. And combined 5-0 loss in aggregate. Uh, one game at Sanford Bridge, one game at the Etihad. And one in the Premier League, one in the FA Cup, one with a lot of senior key players. One without a lot of, you know, key senior players and a lot of youth players. Um, unfortunately, the results are the same in the end. A loss, nothing progressing. And I think the the most worrying nature of this is we're seeing uh, we're seeing a lot of regression. Um, we're seeing it match to match. I think we've gotten progressively worse in every match so far. I think maybe the first half of the first city game at Stamford Bridge in the Premier League was better than the Nottingham Forest game. But you go look from, you know, when we started back to where we, you know, and now how we've gone progressively with results. It, it's just not the way, w- this is not any sign of improvement. Like, there's a lot of reasons for this that aren't necessarily managerial driven, um, but there, there's just a, me- a lot of issues. Um, so I think with that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and pass over um, if you guys want, you know, just give your thoughts initially on these two different matches. And then I think we'll just kind of to go from there and really break down larger trends that we've learned from these two matches. Um, but, you know, granted, there's there's not a lot of positives to say. Um, so if, if there are any, try to maybe get those out first and then we'll uh, we'll get into the critique and dissection. I just want to touch upon the, the regression part that you talked about. So you, you said we've seen regression. But we've seen a lot of positives from the youth players that have come through. And we've seen regression from the senior players. So I, I, I just want to throw that out there because the senior players that we are hoping to rely on, and you know, we've talked about the last few years, the players that have, you know, led us to glory in Champions League and then cup finals and stuff, they they have regressed. And you know, we have some some bright spots in the midfield in uh in Carney. I mean, he's looked good the last few days. Um, Zacharias looked good the last few games. I think um, Hall looked good again today. He seems that he can step in and, and fulfill a role. Um, it's nice to have Trev back in the squad. Um, so there has been some, um, you know, some some progressions from players. But I think ultimately the thing that's the most disappointing is the amount of senior players that are regressing or have just kind of plateaued so i just wanted to throw that out there and, and you know you guys can chime in on that or just kind of go in your own direction yeah i mean it seems like today we kind of went in that direction right like we did fine on thursday but the youth players did the best so today we decided to play more youth players and not that they did badly today but you know it was 
Hall giving away the free kick that opened things up. And we didn't look awful after that, but then Kai Hogwarts gives away one of the stupidest handballs you'll ever see because he's trying his hardest to be the German Deli Ali. And it, it just went from there. Like, I mean, it started with one youth player doing one mistake and then it just spiraled out of control. And when you only have youth players, or not only, when you have a lot of youth players on the field, like they don't have the tools to rally in the way that senior players should. But our senior players don't have those tools either because they're fucking god off. And I, I mean, I can't even understand like just how much some of our senior players have regressed. Like so many of them played in the Champions League in our route to the final, but you know. At what point do we just acknowledge that Champions League was a fluke? Even if we did well in our run into it, at what point do we acknowledge that was a fluke? And one of the worst things that could have happened to us in the middle of a rebuild was winning that Champions League and deciding, yeah, we'll stick with these players. They're awful. They're, they're all awful. And you guys know, like, I love Mason Mount. Like, I think Mason Mount is just one of our best players overall. But today it was pathetic. It was absolutely pathetic. And I, I literally messaged Tyler during the match, and I said, "If if if Mount is such a good player, he makes other people around him better, and he never makes other people around him better this season." That's well, and I'm with you, Tyler. Team, I think we have I, a team I'm, of players that make each other look worse in general. Exactly. Like I don't think it's a Mount thing. I think it's an everyone no, no. is completely awful right now thing. It, and Mount and is part, a part of everyone, and that's yeah. kind of what I was saying, too, exactly. And I'll, Sorry, I'll let you keep going now. Yeah, like, and I mean, we just can't get away from that right now because of all the injuries and everything else. Like, you know, we shouldn't have to be playing two youth players against Manchester City in an FA Cup final away from home. But we have to. And even if they look good, they don't have the players around them to look better. And, you know, we, we, talk, we can talk about this throughout the entire team, like, Mindy's regressed. You know, you guys know I've been kind of cold on Keppa the whole time, and, like, I don't think he's still very good. Like, we're we're kidding ourselves if we think Keppa's, like, rebounded in some magnificent way that we can rely on him between the sticks for the coming years. You know, our, our defense is an absolute mess and a joke, regardless of who he plays, and that includes Thiago Silva, because I think when he plays, he's part of the problem of why we're under so much pressure. You know, our midfield is terrible. Like, one at least once today, Giorgino just passed it right out of play because that's what he does. He just does things automatically without thinking, and it hurts the team. And that's what he does when he gets frustrated and doesn't know what to do. You know, Mateo Kovacic was doing the same thing. Like, we just have a team of pathetic players right now. And, you know, I can't blame Potter because our tactics look good on Thursday, but he didn't change everything he was doing in three days. He didn't completely forget what he wanted this team to do in three days. This is completely on the players. And until we acknowledge that, until we really acknowledge that as a fan base and stop chanting for Thomas Tuchel to come back and make this worse before it gets better, like let's just finally do what we should have done with Jose or Conte or really anyone and just blame these players for being awful. I'm going to jump in here. So, like, first on the hall point, like the free kick, and this gets to a bigger point I'm about to make. I actually don't think Hall made the wrong play on that on that to foul because Koulibaly was up fucking pressing in the final third. 
doesn't get back. So if Hall doesn't make that tackle, it's a 1v1 against Chalaba, who also is in the wrong position, by the way. Like, it, I, I think Hall made the right play. I actually think Hall, out of everybody out there, was the only guy that looked like he gave a shit, at least until the subs came on. So I, I don't have a problem with how Hall played. I will say, I don't think Graham Potter's tactics were that great on Thursday. Uh, I think his first half tactic worked. City figured it out, right? Uh, the whole idea was that Cancelo could get the ball wide. We didn't give a shit. Kukure would later on go to close him down if he did. But otherwise, he was totally unmarked, and we clogged up the center. City figured that out. They moved Bernardo, and then shortly thereafter, Mares over to that right wing, and we gave up the goal. I think his tactics were shit. I think his tactics today were shit, but I don't think it's shit because the tactic itself, the players don't give a shit. Like the senior players don't give a shit. I'm sorry. They don't like Koulibaly has played too fucking long to be making the same mistake, chasing the false night every fucking time. This match could have been six, seven, nothing. Like I, I just, I, this isn't, it's not working, and I don't know if Potter's the guy or not. I believe in the project. That doesn't mean I have to believe Potter's the guy. I have not seen Chelsea look like they didn't give a shit since, like this, since Lampard against Arsenal. And this is substantially worse than that. The player, the senior players don't care. And to be fair to the young guys, it's Manchester City. They've been together for seven years. They're the best players in the world. I can't blame the young players, right? It's not their fault. Like, they're put in a situation to lose. And we can say all we want that play the young players, play the young players. You're going to destroy their confidence if you keep playing them like this. And I think this rebuild is needs to happen seriously. I think Potter is not shown anything to suggest that he's the guy. I don't want him can, at least until the summer. But I, I believe in the project. I believe in the rebuild. I'm not saying go get. Mourinho or Tuchel or whoever that's just gonna come and then last point this is not the squad that won the Champions League it's not Rudiger's gone he was one of the leaders on the pitch he's gone Christensen came in at like the 20 or 25th minute in that Champions League final and fucking rocked it Giroud didn't play really in the final he played like 30 seconds but like was huge in the run-up to that final uh Aspie was younger Conte was healthy Reese was healthy Thiago Silva was younger this isn't that team. That team was different. That team was a good team. I don't think the defensive record was a fluke. I think they were one of the best defensive teams we've seen in a very long time. But that team's gone. And people that keep saying, like, oh, these guys won the cha-. They didn't. These guys didn't win the Champions League. Kai Havertz, by the way, was horrible in that Champions League final outside of the goal. And again, Mrs. Lincoln, how is the play? Like, I get it. He scored the goal. So good for him. And Mount, actually, that was fantastic in the final. Timo Werner, though, who made the run so Kai Havertz could get it on goal, he's gone. And we don't have anybody anymore that does what Timo did. Like, I couldn't, the stuff about Timo, like, oh, he tries so hard, like, that really irritated me. But, like, Timo didn't fucking try. Even when he was pulled out of Tuchel's plans halfway through last season, he came in because we had injuries and he fucking tried. And I'm tired of watching these senior players just not give a shit. Like, I think what Potter did with Oba today was great. 
Aubameyang doesn't give, didn't look like he gave a shit. Not in the squad. That's great. And he's got to do that with more guys. But the problem is if he does it with more guys, then you're putting more young players in a position to lose. So it's just bad all around, all around. So I'm going to end my rant there, but I'm really, really, really not happy. Yeah. Oh, do you have any, uh, probably not going to be any happy thoughts, but what are your thoughts on it? I mean, I'm, I'm elated. I'm excited because I mean, I love seeing Chelsea play this. I mean, I, I don't, I really don't know where to start. I, I, I think there's, there's something that there's an underlying thing and eventually we'll address it. I understand the players are looking bad, but we also several portions of Chelsea on the pitch, the defense, the midfield, the attack. We saw several portions of Chelsea under Lampard look on fifth of opponents. And while I think we may have sold the wrong centre-backs, it's irrelevant because people came in and selected what they wanted and, and ran with it. Which, as a manager, is what you should do. You make a decision, you go with it, you face the consequences. And the decision he made was the right one at the time. I can't argue with it. He came in, he changed the system, he brought in Rudiger, we looked different. Tukul had spent maybe three hours with the team, and we look completely different from what Lampard was doing. That's one. I think Potter has a lot of responsibility in this. I think he does have a lot of responsibility in this. I don't think he's helpless. I don't think we're playing this way because the players are just bad. I think he's putting them in situations for them to look terrible. And if we take the point that he's trying to expose them so so he could use, so he could do what, so, so that he can do what he wants, who who is he going to play that we don't look this bad? I'm I'm genuinely asking this question. L- let's say we're in July 2023, Nkunku joins this team, or whoever else are buying in this transfer window joins this team. Potter still has to coach them, and Potter has shown nothing. I'm not exaggerating. He has shown nothing to insinuate that he is the manager that we invested all this money in and are trying to build a project with. He's shown nothing. Managers that are, I, I expect, I don't expect us to win every game from when Potter enters. I don't expect us to look fluid from when he enters, but I expect us to look, I expect things to show that we're, we're, we're trying to do some things to improve. Potter is not doing any of that. He keeps playing what he wants to play. And if Bariashila enters this team, let's say against Fulham or Akeleka Day, that's one player in the whole system. And while I, I agree that the centre-back is very important in this because, like like someone mentioned, Thiago Silva cannot... Took, Thomas took the complaint of Thiago Silva when he was at PSG. And he said, oftentimes, Thiago Silva kept dropping the line because he couldn't... He couldn't he was frightened by the space behind him. He couldn't keep up with the space. So even when Tuku wanted to play high line, Thiago Silva kept dropping the line. And because Thiago Silva kept dropping, the whole line kept dropping with him. So... Thiago Silva, you can't play high line with him, not in the way you want. So I, I take that point. But do we look completely different with Badashile pressing as high as we want to close up the gaps? Do we? I don't think we do. I think the I think the City game, the league game that we played on Thursday was what it was because we had better players on the pitch. And in this game, we looked worse and everyone looked worse. Under Tuku, the attack was bad. I keep referencing Tuku. I'm not saying Tuku shouldn't have been sacked. I am not one of those people that feel, oh, this was a big mistake we made and Tuku should have stayed. I'm not thinking that way. 
I do think that Tukul should have gotten a chance to use the, the players he got in the window. That's not too much to ask. But Tukul is gone. However, I'm, I'm drawing a contrast between some parts of the team looking good and some parts of the team looking bad under Tukul. Under Potter, there are many times when the whole team, like today, has looked bad from back to front. And I don't think it helps us, and I don't think it helps Potter to, to say, oh, the, the, the players are just unfit for purpose. I agree, I, I agree with, with, with Jordan. Our tactics were not great against City because we, we, we tried to hold City in the first half. In the second half, they dominated the whole game. Whatever it is we did, they figured it out quickly. In, in, in the game today, they took nine shots. It felt like more. They took nine shots. They had about 69% possession or, or something close to that. But they were not as... They didn't go at us full tilt today because when they had gone through any lob, they decided to just keep the ball and, and, and see how they win. As at 66 minutes, the game was done. It's, it's, it's not looking good on Potter. And we are bad. We are really, really bad. And I don't think it's, it's not an, it's, it's not to say that saying we are bad does not mean Potter should be sacked. Obviously, he just came in. There's been injuries. He has not had a lot of, of time with his full squad. His key players have been injured. All those things are true. However, that doesn't justify how bad we are. And people trying to justify it is strange to me because it doesn't. He's a manager at the top level. I understand he came from Brighton. I understand the levels at, at Chelsea and Brighton are not the same. And while the level at Chelsea has, is not what it has always been, it's, it's a big jump. And we mentioned it in the, in the, in the first part we did when, when Potter came in. It's a big jump. But Potter has not shown any single thing to show me that when new players come in, we're going to get better. He still has to show with the players he has that when he gets new players, he's going to play better. Every manager that, that he's been compared with now has shown that. Every single one of them. Pep Guardiola came into City, and many people said he didn't win a trophy in his first season, but he came third. He secured Champions League football. He didn't, he lost, he lost 4 0 twice too. I think he lost to Everton and lost to Leicester City. But Pot, uh, Pep didn't come into his team, and before he had his players, was wallowing in tents. And that's where we are. It is extremely bad. It is as bad as, as people are saying. And Potter has to fix this. He has to fix it. He can't wait for us to get new players. It doesn't make any sense for us to wait for him to get new players. He has to fix it. He has to do something. Because if we, if we, we look this bad today, and City didn't have anything to play for us at six, six minutes, Fulham are trying to stay up. If they see a chance, they are going to go at us full for 90 minutes if they can. And we do the same thing we are doing, and we are doing the same thing. We played well against Bournemouth, and I said, playing well against Bournemouth is not a thing. Liverpool beat Bournemouth 9-0, and three weeks later, Bournemouth are both Liverpool. It doesn't mean anything. Playing well against Bournemouth doesn't mean anything. And as soon as we played against Nottingham Forest, the same problems returned. We are looking bad in every game. Chance creation, defending, holding up the ball, build up. We are looking horrible. And we are going to go against Fulham. We are not going to look better, but I see they will come in. It's, it's not going to, what is it going to move? I, I understand that I'm, I'm very irritated and there's, there's a possibility that I'm not seeing these things clearly, but I see a concerted effort to not put any form of, re, of responsibility on Graham Potter. And it is outrageous to me. It is genuinely outrageous. I, I understand he, he, may, he may want to 
He may want to achieve what he's trying to do in a different way than I'm thinking. He doesn't want to play a low block. He doesn't want to play a three at the back. But whatever he does want to do, the team is not doing it. New players are not going to do it. I, I don't understand where, where it is we're going with this. We're intense now, and we're overperforming to be intense. If we play this, what we're playing against Fulham, we'll drop lower, and we're going to enter 13th place probably. And then what? Are we going to assume that when we get new players? I don't think Nkunku is going to change anything. I don't. Because so, I think Nkunku and Sterling are similar players. Go just, ahead, Paul. Yeah, just a question from like kind of what you're saying, and I was going to ask you is that, you know, so. When you're like when you're saying you haven't really seen anything from Potter, and we and we wait, and that you know, if for him to even have the, I don't want to say ability, but I guess the justification to get new players in the hope that they're going to play his style. Like, what would you what would you need to see from Potter and or the current senior key players to suggest that you know he does deserve more time or he does deserve uh, a, a full window of player recruitment? Like, what would you? What would it? What would you want to see right now? I guess to to what, maybe go what, on the what other I, side. What I mean, what I mean when I say I've not seen anything to suggest that he has not shown how good he is. I do believe he's a good manager. You don't do that with Brighton if you're not. You don't succeed as a manager anywhere if you're not a good manager. So he is. He has just not shown any of that thing. I expect him to put players in better situations to. Not be act- To be fair, that, that was a problem I saw earlier. Today's, uh, I'm not thinking clearly in today's match because I don't understand what I saw today. It was bad all over the pitch. I don't even know where to start. But against, against, uh, against City, I think it was against City in the, in the league on Thursday, when Mares came on, uh, to be fair, I think in, in that situation, it was more Cucurella just getting skinned by Mares constantly. Today, I think we kept trying to play out from the back when it was clearly not working. City were meeting us. They were shutting down our press from every point and we just didn't go long. We didn't change how we want, how we want to play. And how you start the game for me is not important. You can start the game how you want. You want to play a certain way, play that way. But if it's not working, today's game is you lose your out of the cup. In a league, in a league situation, if you get beat this seriously, you keep dropping down the table. So I, if, 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 he, starts, if he starts bringing in the players he wants, first of all, this, the second thing is, which probably should have been the first thing, I don't know how he's trying to play. I don't know what he wants to do. I don't know what the plan for defending is. I don't know what he's trying to do. It's his plan to push up, play the higher line, and when ball's getting behind, behind Kepa shoots it up. I don't know what he's trying to do. But Thiago Silva keeps playing, and I don't see a world where Thiago Silva doesn't play because he's, he has performed better than almost every other centre-back. Trevor Chaluba looked off the pace today, and I think he has been injured because he has not played in a while. I can't remember when last Chaluba played. So there's a lot of problems, but chance creation-wise, we're not doing anything. And we're playing a lot of the same types of players, Pulisic, uh, maybe not Pulisic, Kai Havertz, Sterling, are very similar types of players. They're on the ball, they get on the end of chances, they don't really create much, they never have been creators from anywhere they have been, anywhere they've, they've where we bought them from. Christian Pulisic hasn't been playing much, Zier hasn't been playing much. Mount is... I, I don't even know what to say about Mount. 
Tom's how, how do we, I mean, I don't, when it comes to Mount, I don't know how you say he's not part of the problem right now. I oh, mean, he's problem. He's most everybody problem. is. Everyone is. The, the, the thing with Mount for me is, we've, we've, we've talked about Mount before. Mount gets treated as the guy who should start every game by certain sections of the fan base. And then when he, we demand things from players who, because if you think about everything, everything in the league has players that should start every game. And yeah. when you watch them, you see why. And when things are not happening, if City doesn't create chances in a long time, there are players that will be fingered. If City doesn't score a goal in a long time, there are players that will be asked why. Chelsea, Mount gets the most usage of the ball. He plays a lot of minutes. A lot of the ball goes through him. He doesn't create as many chances as he should. And we say he is not the guy that is going to solve our chance creation issue. And people make it sound as if we're criticizing him unfairly. I don't understand it. I think Mount yeah. is part of the problem. I don't think yeah, he enough. I was going to just say, like, to yeah? sum up what, like, best what you're saying, Ola, it's basically when, when we play Mount and he does well, it's because of Mount. Yeah. But when we play and we do poorly, it's never, it's always the narrative seems to be. And, yeah. and, and I know who, and I know who you're referring to, like that section of the fan base. But the yeah. argument is, well, there's other problems on the field. How is Mount one of them? So yeah, it's like exactly. when we do good, it's because of him. And we do bad, it's not because he's, of him. He's so he's either, he's, he's basically, he's only good. That's how the argument is framed. Yeah, he's yeah, only good. Yeah. And there's I, never I, I accountability remember. given to him. Whenever we do poorly, nobody wants to hold him accountable. I remember, and someone, someone will say, oh, but other players have been bad. And they get criticized often. Every time Ziyech plays, every pass he makes that is, is not complete, every cross he makes that is not complete, he's criticized. He's a top player. He's a top-level player. He's on 100k a week. He was brought in the expectations. I feel some of the criticism is unwarranted, but I understand it. You expect things from a player, you don't see it, you criticize him. How is it then that Mount, I, I saw people saying, if he wants 300k, give him what he wants. And I'm like, okay, but if we give him 300k, we would sit down and watch him play. And then when we expect things that we don't get, and we say, why are we not getting this thing? People would say, but he's only 23. What do you expect from him? What about the other players? Pulisic gets criticized. Kai Havertz gets criticized. On this pod, Ziyech gets criticized. I don't necessarily have to agree with it, but I cannot tell myself that Ziyech only has good games because that would be silly. But I've, I've talked with someone who, to, who told me that because I made the case that people make it sound as if Ziyech, uh, man doesn't have bad games or his bad games are still and far between. And they are not. And the person said, no, but man doesn't have bad games. There are people who genuinely think that he doesn't have bad games. He's always consistent. And it's silly. It's crazy. So, all the players, Koulibaly has been getting criticized. Kukurela has been getting criticized. How are there players that are playing as much as Mount is playing and almost have no fault in any of this? It's crazy. It's not an easy problem to solve. But I think we have to start doing better. Even if it means just prioritizing defense first. Just prioritize the defense first. Because if we if we drop into the relegation zone, Bailey that has said, uh, no matter what happens, I'm going to leave Potter in charge. I don't think Bailey sits on his on his on his on his bomb and goes, 
well, don't worry, you, 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 you get this over the line for us. So we, we need something to build on. If we're going to play the way Potter wants us to play, I don't think we're going to get relegated to be fair, because maybe we're too good to be relegated and maybe uh, everything are just that much worse than we are. So I don't think we get relegated, but we are bad and there are no positive signs. I have little idea how to fix it. I just, it just seems really, really bad. And I think I've always believed that a manager shows the stamp in how the team organizes themselves. Not necessarily in a low block, but in, in how they organize themselves. And if a good manager has bad players, maybe they won't score. Maybe they will let in a lot of big chances, but we are bad from back to front. And Potter at least has to take responsibility for that. At least. He can, he can drop players he wants to drop. He can drop Kilibali, drop Silva, drop anyone he wants to drop. But many of the players, the, the last point I'm going to make is that many of the players we have are players that came in this season. If he drops Kilibali, who does he play? Okay, he plays by the but that's one center back. When Fofana comes back, he plays Fofana. Does that change this drastically? If you think it does, that's fine. But I don't think it does. If you drop Kukurela, who do you play? Because Kukurela just came in. And I don't think she well is fit. Sterling has not been good this season at all. And Sterling is our highest paid player. And he came in this season. And he's not old. He's about 27, I think. So, Kai Havertz, I mean, Kai Havertz is our highest goal scorer in the league. So whatever I want to say about that, he's on par with the, with the high performance in the team. It's, I don't know what needs to change, but Potter has to figure out what he wants to fix first. Tuku figured out what he wanted to fix first. There are a lot of, of things wrong with this team. I think many of the attacking combinations we play cannot sufficiently create chances, but maybe I'm just looking at it with, with, with yet shaded glasses. But I, I don't think Kahavat and Mount and Sterling are going to combine to create sweet chances. When we play against open teams, we seem to be fluid and creating chances. But even in those games that are open, we don't create enough big chances. At least we create enough. If we convincingly win the Bournemouth games, we know, okay, if we play well enough against certain opponents, things will go well for us. But then we go against Nottingham Forest and we look bad. It's I'm going to end my rant there, if I may. Well, I just had a few points um, on some things that that Ola just kind of said, and and I think it's I think it's pretty important for all of us to, to understand that we, you know, we we can't compare what Potter's doing with managers that were under a completely different ownership that reacted completely different to these situations. Because one, it's just not fair to Potter. Now, if Roman was in charge, then yes, we could compare the 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 two but we can't because we don't know what's going on behind the scenes which is, is which is allowing these things to happen right the second thing that's very important in terms of improving players you know we look at the players we've brought in they're not ready-made plug-in players to fix a solution they're not like the center back we just bought he's what 20 he's not going to step in and automatically solve the back four issues we, we like just threw out on the last episode, the, uh, the Arsene Wenger quote about, about you pay the cost of a 20, you know, a, yeah. a U24 center back with points. Yeah. These, these players aren't players to come in and plug in and play. 
Now, if you look back to what Tuchel did when he first came in, what did he do? He reestablished the veteran players in the team. He brought them back in, and that solidified. We don't have those players. Those players aren't on the squad, and we're not buying those players. We bought some in the summer when Tuchel was around, and now Potter has to deal with them. And the second thing about Pep improving players when he first came in, Pep had a completely different squad when he first came in to what he has now. But if you look back, before Pep got there, the year before that, they finished fourth. The year before that, they finished second. The year before that, they finished first. The year before that, they finished second. And the year before that, they finished first. So he had title-winning players in his squad. Google took over a squad that last year finished third. The year before that, they finished fourth. The year before that, they finished fourth. Then they finished third. And the year before that, they finished fifth. So it's a completely different team and completely different standards and completely different ownerships. So it's it's very difficult and unfair to compare the two. And if we try, to, if we just try to compare Potter to the elite managers, we just take away all the joy. We're we're comparing two. We're comparing apples and oranges. It's completely different situations. Jordan, did you want to get some comments in? I thought I saw your hand raised a while ago. Uh, maybe. I, I mean, I guess my view on this whole thing is I think Tyler is correct in that it is a different situation that Potter's coming into than what Tuchel came into. Uh, I, I think what I will say is I think that at a baseline level, if you are a manager winning games in the Premier League, period, you have a baseline understanding of tactics. I, Potter knows more about tactics than I will ever learn. He forgets more a day about tactics than I will ever know. So I'm my view of Potter, like Tuchel, like any, really any prem manager, they know a shitload more than I do. What I also know is I've had professors at the university level. I've worked with professors at the university level that are world experts, and they're just not great at teaching political science 101. I've had professors that had master's degrees and like, that's great, but they were not world renowned experts that were fucking awesome. Um, I think Tuchel, and this is not just based on what happened to Chelsea. This is what. I, I just want to make the aside. It's almost like that dynamic in academia is true because it seems like the more of a rock star they are in the field, the less ability they have to like teach anything. And then the more ability they have to teach, maybe the less of a rock star they are on the research world. But I just, Sorry, yeah. we're not going no, to no, talk no. about that, but I think it's an interesting dynamic. Yeah, and I'm not saying Potter is like a world expert that's just shit at teaching. I don't think that's true. I think what Tuchel is especially good at, and this is just based on every time he's taken over a team, you basically get one or two practices in, and that team has totally changed how it, played, how it plays. Uh, Potter just hasn't been able to do that, and I think part of it is Tuchel's been managing for a very long time at a very elite level. And I think we should understand, like we said it on, on here, which is when Potter came in, nobody thought Chelsea were hiring a better coach than Thomas Tuchel. It was that he's a better fit for the long-term project. And I think that's fair to admit, right? That like, there's going to be pain. I think we need to do the project. I agree with Ola. I have not seen anything from Graham Potter to suggest that he's good at Chelsea. But I also, Travis, I saw you just made a tweet, which is like Chelsea have, what, four to five midweek games left the remainder of this season, depending on how Dortmund goes. Like, okay, like, th then if that is, like, that, that is the case, 
So this is a great test for Graham Potter then, right? Because now he will have basically full weeks to implement what he wants to implement. Uh, I think they're going to give him the window, and I think that's fair. Like, give him the window. Let's see what he can do when he gets some of the players he wants. I don't agree that we need to give him the summer because this is what happens at Chelsea over and over and over again is that there's a moment in time where, yeah, maybe it is time to sack the manager. Well, let's just give him a window. And then season starts off four, they get fired. And the next guy who comes in has a bunch of players he doesn't want. Uh, I think there's a value in deploying the court early. So if Potter does great the next half the season, great. Let's keep him aboard. Let's get who he wants this summer. And let's fucking roll. If we finish 10th or worse, like, I don't care what anybody says. Finishing 10th is unacceptable with our wage bill. It's unacceptable. We have players that are better than 10th. We do. Like, it's unacceptable. I mean, I think, I, I agree it's unacceptable. But I think the interesting part is, like, a lot of the debate is kind of centered around if we would have kept this guy instead of having this guy, we'd be so much better off. But I think a lot of people like when they talk about, and you know what I'm alluding to, like if we kept Tuchel, and and you and you all know like my thoughts about Tuchel and, and the way I think about him and the way I really loved him and is what he brought to the club and his demeanor and his tactics. There's a lot of things I liked about Thomas Tuchel, but he's my favorite manager since Antonio Conte. And if anybody you anybody knows me, they know how I feel about Conte and what he did in the mid 2000s, but or mid 2010s. Um, but I think that what we're maybe as fans losing sight of is if we look at our calendar year 2022 form under Thomas Tuchel, it wasn't even a top four pace. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. So this is, I agree. And that's why I think this is more of a player problem than a manager problem, because I don't well, believe. It is, it is. And that's like from the very beginning of the pod, Travis talked about it. The level of regression in these senior players is, I mean, this is like, what what happened? I mean, what well, happened? I, what I will also say is the leaders that were on that Champions League team, we had their lock on fucking freeze, or they're too old to contribute. Exactly, because two years went by and the players aged and they regressed, and but the we got a lot of players, players that are the young players in that Champions League team didn't improve. Period. No, not no. one of them. Everybody's no. like, oh, Reece James. Well, Reece James is hurt, and he's yeah, always I agree hurt. James is improved, but he's always hurt. Nobody else, not Mason Mount, Christian Pulisic, uh, Kai Havertz, none of these guys improved. No, Kovacic, frankly, like I, Kovacic I, is one of these guys that I'm surprised does not get criticism because, like, Kovacic has been just bad this year. He's been just he's been, bad. he's been injured since the first first game. Yeah, no, he's injured. He comes times. back, plays a little bit, gets hurt again. Like. Yeah, nobody's improved. I I actually read that he has to have an operation surgery end of season on his knee. Like I think the fairest criticism of Tuchel is that he did not because I think he was such a great kind of teacher and tactician. A lot like really the players that improved improved right away. Not many players like took another step after that, and I think that's a very fair criticism of Tuchel. Um, But nobody nobody's improved under Potter either. And I think the one thing about Tuchel is the players he improved the most, you know, I would, and I would put in that category, Jorginho, Kovacic, Rudiger, Christensen, Chilwell. I think he made Chilwell, I think he made Chilwell a better player by far. Yeah, he made Alonzo a much better player. They're either injured, gone, 
or now we're or oh, well over 30 years old yeah. and they're they've just simply that's just what happens we know how this works like pretty much post age 29 30 as a footballer you start declining because the body is just it, it wears down right it wears down and, and then it's it's suffice to say that a lot of the things that we did so well with Thomas Tuchel are are not really even if we still had him I don't even think that they're tangible realities because of where the squad is we're not and this is something that I think that we have discussed on this podcast we've discussed in chats and that is I think the key point here is when you have a squad that we had when we won that Champions League you had a lot of key senior players that became fringe players that came back in to be key senior players. And then amongst those senior players that became key players again, after being brought back by Thomas Tuchel, they were playing with a lot of younger guys, U23 players, those U23 players from two years ago, you're spot on. I don't see any improvement in any of them bar Reese James. And then on the other side, we've let a lot of the key guys go. And then those remaining key players have regressed. So you'd had regression in our key main players that were, you know, veteran established vets. We've had plateauing of the young guys that we thought were only going to have a linear talent, you know, a linear progression, which they have not. So now we're stuck with this collective mediocrity because of declines that were should have been anticipated because of player age and injuries and recoveries and all that kind of stuff. And then we also overestimated the projections that we had for those U23 players because they have not kicked on and become the difference makers that we thought that they would be two years down the road. I think when you ask most people post champions league, will Mason Mount be captain? Is he the next Chelsea captain? I think the answers would have overwhelmingly been yes. After that champions league final, you ask that question today, the answers are overwhelmingly Reese James. That to me, shows that- Mason Mount may not be on the team in two years. Like, I, I yes. think it's a real possibility. Yes, he, he won't renew the contract. contract. He yeah. won't. He won't uh, even have negotiations. He, he wants to be the highest paid. This is what we're reported in. That's the only information I have to go on. So if you're a listener and you think that I'm just re- reading into media bullshit, that's fine. Because unless you can produce other evidence for me, this is all I have to go on. And I'm going to recraft my opinion as new information comes in. And you're right. He wants to be the highest paid player in the squad. And I don't see a guy... In Mason Mount, if you're a 300 pound a week player, you know, post tax or whatever it is, I don't care. You're the highest earning player in the team. You sure as shit better make everybody else around you better. And I don't see that for Mason Mount. I don't see that for anybody in this entire squad. So this isn't Mount criticism. This is Mount criticism disguised as squad criticism that I'm making. The only guy that I think does it when healthy right now is Reese James. And Reese James is never healthy, right? And like, He's never healthy. I, know, I, I, I am obnoxious on Twitter with Rudiger. Like I, I totally admit it. It's something I'm totally cool with being. Because but I'm he was he was an integral. He was so integral of what he we made did. Every fucking player and every player admits it too. Chalaba admits it. everybody admits it. Rudiger made them better, even under Lampard when Rudiger wasn't playing. Part of the reason the players like and this was Matt Law reported this. Part of the reason the players were pissed is that Rudiger wasn't on the pitch. Yep. Like every player says he made them better. And, like, I love Jorginho. I think that may have been true for Jorginho a few years ago. I was going to say, I think when, when Tuchel came in, Jorginho was making others better. But he, he doesn't have it anymore, and I think Trevor no. is right. When he gets frustrated, he makes dumb mistakes. And those that is happening more and more frequently. And, and we just don't have any players that are healthy and consistent players that make everybody else better. And it's 
frustrating. And I, I listen, I think what everybody said about Rudiger was not incorrect, which is sanctions happened and that screwed us. I also think there was very real possibility Marina could have just given him what he wanted the summer prior. And this would never have been a problem. And so now we have none of those guys. We would have not saved money in the long run giving him what he wanted as opposed to not going the, Travis, Not the long run. We would have saved money this year. It's one year. We're spending more on Cool Bali than we would have ever spent on Rudiger. It's fucking insane. So I just want to like tag on to like what you guys just said. Is at the end of the broadcast today, they they're bringing up like if Arsenal wins their game tomorrow, that City would play Arsenal, and they're talking about how Arteta got his style, blah blah blah. And two, he, he they said two key figures are going to be back on the field for Arsenal tomorrow, and it's like having two extra coaches on the field, right? And that's something that Travis has said about Kyle Walker for City all the time is that you know Pep hails him as the the you know extra coach in the field. That's what Rudiger was for us, and we don't have any of those players in the team now because when things go bad, there's no one to look to. You know, like you said, two years ago it was Jorginho. That was two years ago, and that's something that Chelsea has been notorious for doing is instead of noticing a decline and having a plan in place to to not only replace the player integrate a new player in we wait until it's too late and that's something that we've done we go back all the years back you know look at every manager that said like i i, I want some more signings in the summer because these players aren't good enough and we don't do it we give them like their third fourth or fifth choices that's why we had baba robin for forever but we we it's just something that we we don't have any leadership you know two years ago i remember we were on one podcast travis and we were talking about asplo if he you know he's no longer a captain because of the whole kepa uh, penalty shootout thing he wouldn't come off the field for uh, for sorry. Um, we still haven't addressed the issues from then. We don't have captains. You know, Tiago Silva's a leader by example, but his English isn't good enough to lead everybody. And I doubt half the team speaks Portuguese well enough to understand it when he tell he tells them to do something. They probably understand key phrases, but not enough to to lead people. So we're there was a report last year. There was a report last year that the back line with many they all they spoke French. Yeah, yeah, because because all of them spoke French, but then like yeah. beyond that, there's not all of our team aren't French players. Like, yeah, French speakers. Like, it that is a problem. No matter who wants to admit yeah. it, like if your leader doesn't speak English, in the you Premier can only League, lead by example fucked. at that point. Yeah, and and I mean that's just kind of ran in the team, and then going into into the Mount thing, it's this is one example that you know it's sparked my mind is you know when when Mount was playing well last year. And all the reports was he wants to earn more wages. And everyone was saying, well, he's one of the lowest earners in the team. And look what he's doing. And he needs to be paid more than these guys. Right? Specifically, Jorginho at the time, because he was making more. It was, he needs to be paid more than these guys, blah, 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 blah. Right? Well, what are the young players looking at now? Right now, you have Mount, who's not impacting games at all. And we have these young guys who are, you know, probably still on their youth contracts that are ending up and to resign. And you know what? What's Lewis like? These players are looking like. Well, if he's getting that money and he's not doing anything, then I want that money too. I mean, let's face it; they're all selfish. They all want to be paid because their careers could be over tomorrow. So they want paid. So it's it's if if we have players that look like they don't want to be there, they're they're not performing to the standards that you know Potter in the club has set currently. Then we need to move them on and find players that you know want to be here and want to be part of a project. We can't just hold players here and pay them uh, because we have some emotional attachment to them. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm always going to hark back to, to the old United days with Fergie because the way United ran back then was so well done. 
but they never held on to players too long until they ran out of value. They just moved them on. And if you look back, all the players, they didn't have a problem getting moved on because it was like, listen, you've surfaced really well. You still have a few years left on your career. We're going to find you a place where you can finish out and, and you'll be good. So thanks for your service. And instead with us, we wait to the last second. It's bad negotiations. And then we cut our losses and we say, oh, well, we could have done that. Well, we could have moved them on two years ago. Um, and well, not, not specifically, but we could have moved players on two years ago. And the transition now would be smoother than, than what we're currently doing. And as far as the complete rebuild, I think the rebuild has been needed for at least six years. And, you know, we could have done it steadily over the time, every now and then plugging a few players here or there. And we decided to wait. And now it's all come crashing down right before our eyes. So just to kind of link a few of those conversations together, when we're talking about coaches on the field, every single time you see a manager or Potter at least trying to give someone instructions to change things, it's Mason Mount. You know, Mason Mount is always the guy he's going to. So is Mount the guy that's able to then – take those instructions and get the rest of the team to do it. And the evidence is probably not, especially not when Mount's not doing very well either. But I I just wanted to point out, like, it is always Mount that's getting the instructions. It's not Jorginho. It's not Kovacic. It's not Silva. It's only Mount. And maybe that is a communication thing. Like, Mount's first language is English, obviously. But I, I think that's worth mentioning when we're talking about the players to kind of like look at and keep around. Then um, Mount shouldn't be on 300K and whether he's asking for that or not, I don't really know. I haven't seen anything repeatable either way, but I mean, we're, we're basically looking at a place where not, not even thinking about the new signings or the Academy guys right now, there are maybe like five or six of the 25 players that really deserve to come back next year. And three of them are probably injured right now. Like, I don't even need to name whichever three. You can probably pick them out. They've been injured. So, and and then we're talking about, like, making $120 million signings or $70 million signings. Well, if we've got to replace, like, 20 players, which isn't going to happen, to be fair, but let's say we even have to replace, like, 10 of them. You're not going to do that when you're dropping hundreds of millions on different players. And I mean, it, it feels like this is just going to be like a long process. Like we shouldn't be 10th. 10th should not be something acceptable for us, but let's be real. We're not a champions league level team right now. We're, if we're a Europa league level team, we haven't really shown it. And I mean, you guys know, I want to win the conference league and complete the set, but you know, or can we even make that right now? Like, and I did, I tweeted it out earlier that as it stands, we have four midweek games, five, if you can on a Friday. And I, I think back to an interview I read with Carlo Ancelotti and he was talking about how at Byron, he just had no time to train players because they had midweek games every single time. And, you know, it might go a long way for Potter to only have one game at a time to think about a whole week to prepare for it. And I know like under like Tuchel and Lampard, we always seem to do worse the more time we had to prepare for games, but you know, I think it could be a real opportunity in the same way. Like Potter is able to build his Brighton team having one game a week to deal with it. Yeah. And like Antonio Conte had one game a week to win the league and Arteta had one game a week last year to actually build the team he wants. 
And, you know, even after looking awful for two years, they ended up looking good overall. You know, like it, it doesn't hurt us to have gone out of two cups already. And let's be honest, like, I don't really know how Dortmund's doing this year, but I don't feel like we could beat anyone of any significance right now as it stands. Dortmund's going to blitz us. They're going to blitz us. Yeah. So like, if we've only got one game a week, I think it's important to start looking at the guys like, all right, I know you're going to be here next year. So I'm going to rely on you. And like, I kind of hate Maurizio Sarri's whole, like only play 11 players and then like train another three in case you need them. But honestly, that's kind of what we need to do. We need to just find an 11 and then whatever subs we're going to bring on every single game. And that's it. Like those 16 guys. That was the pep model. You're one at city. I'm going to get 14 players that I trust. And then I'm going to get rid of everybody else. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest. I kind of think he told sorry that because he was playing a game with them and trying to trick him. But um yeah, I mean, like, that's really honestly what we need to do. We need to find, like, the 16 guys we can trust that actually want to be here next year and build around them. Like, if I, I would almost do it, like, if Georgino is not willing to sign a contract tomorrow, then don't play him anymore. You know, if, if Conte gets fit again but hasn't signed a contract, don't play him anymore. If Mindy wants to go, don't play him anymore. Like, just keep doing that for the whole team and get 16 guys you know will be there next year and build with them. And that's kind of what Potter did at Brighton. Like his first year at Brighton, he barely rotated. It was the same team week in, week out. The next year he started bringing some more guys in. And then at the start of this season, he was rotating quite a bit. But that's honestly what we're looking at now. Like, let, like it's a terrible season at this point, And it's probably going to end terribly. But let's take advantage of that terribleness. And use it to actually build something instead of blowing it all up again and, you know, putting together all the bricks and mortar that are thrown all over the place and pretending it's going to stand. Yeah, I I think um, concerning leaders in the squad, I think I don't think we can go out and look for leaders. I think usually leaders emerge when you have consistent performances. Because, I mean, when Martin Odegaard uh, became Arsenal captain and he said, oh, he's young, he's this, he's, uh, uh, yeah, he doesn't seem like captain type, which is weird because he has captained this country for his, his whole international career, more or less. But I think what we need is competent players performing consistently. And Kulibali was supposed to be the marquee centre-back signing. He has not looked good at all. And this was when Mendy was still in goal. He has not looked good at all. And how do you get a leader when the guy who you anticipated to be a mainstay in the team is performing this way? I mean, I don't like uh, overly criticizing players, but I think Kulibali has been has not been good for a long time. And I understand adjusting to the league is difficult. I mean, for all we know, he could come out against Fulham, look like the best player on the pitch, and just look like the best centre-back in the league for the rest of the season. However, as of right now, it's bad. And Jorginho was the captain today. He tried to do a dribbling thing where he lost the ball and sits well on top of us again. Kovacic several times today, several times. 
dribbled more than one person or got past more than one person and still held the ball until he lost it. Several times I saw Kovacic do this. And Kovacic had, there was an open through ball to Kai Havertz in the first yeah. half. It was yeah. right there. And I've seen Kovacic do that so many times this season. So you know times. he can make that pass. He's made that pass before. He could at least fucking try it. Kovacic has been terrible. Like, I, nobody wants to hear it. Like, really, the last calendar year, Kovacic just hasn't been good. He was great the first half of last year. But yeah. he's another guy. He has one year on his contract next year. If he doesn't want to extend, see you later. Like, it, the, there are players, like, I, and I agree with Travis about Mount. Like, Mount is the one getting the instructions. And I think there's something to that. But I, I, I'm not sure of what's to that is that there's just nobody else. Because, like, I, I, th- this isn't good. It's not good enough. These guys, if they don't want to extend, leave. That's, that, is, that, is, that is true. But I, I think I, the reason I don't put too much stock in, in Mount, I'll, I'll get to the, to the Mount getting instructions thing. I think there are, there's that, and there is uh, players that we expect consistent performances from we are not getting. Centre-back is a difficult position to play. I would admit that. But I don't think, uh, what's the space? I don't think Kulibali should be getting controlled by the people he's supposed to be marking that easily. I think that's unacceptable. I think Kovacic had a nightmare. Jorginho had a nightmare. I don't want to talk about Galaga too much because Galaga hasn't really played much. And he's, we're not expecting consistent performances from Galaga, even though we should be because he has He tried. Like, I know it's like a joke to keep saying, like, oh, but he tried hard. But, like, Gallagher was he honestly one of the only guys on the pitch today that looked like he cared. So, he like, was, exactly. that's worth something. That it is worth something. And when you are playing in midfield three and the other two are fooling around, is the is the kindest way I can put it. When the other two are fooling around, someone has to do something. So there is that. I think the reason why we don't have leaders is because we don't have enough consistent performance. And, and why we don't have enough consistent performance, I don't know. Maybe that's the players just declining. Maybe it's World Cup fatigue. Maybe it's the manager not being good enough. I don't know what it is, but I think if we get competent players doing their jobs consistently enough, we'll get leaders on the pitch. That is one. The second point I want to make is, have we considered that Potter is not communicating as well as we expect him to? Because, like, we're talking about him only giving instructions to Mount. And number one, I don't really know how much Mount can influence, because... Even though he often plays as the left center mid, he's often running forward. So he's not really a central player. He's not a Jorginho. He's not a center back who can. I, I think center backs often, as central midfielders, often make the best captains because they see both sides of the pitch and they can communicate with a lot of people. I don't know if Mount is that guy. And I don't know really how Mount is supposed to communicate what, what he's telling him. That, that, that's, that's one part of it. I think the other part of it is maybe Potter is not passing his message across well. I mean, it's maybe something to consider. I don't, I don't know how good he is at passing across information. So I, I think there are, there are many people on the squad that speak enough English to be able to understand what Potter is saying. So if we're looking as bad as we're looking, 
maybe they are just not understanding what Potter wants from them. Because I think that there are physical requirements to playing at the top level. I think there are physical requirements to playing the kind of football we want to play, even on that football. To press, there are some physical requirements. You have to run, you have to be intelligent in how you move, you have to be intelligent in how you position yourself and step out of the position and get back into position in time. But I don't think the demands are so great that players that we have now are so out of their depth. It may be a communication thing. It just may be. So, yeah, those are the two points I wanted to make. I think leadership is not something we have to worry about. We can't go out and buy leaders because they have to come in and perform before they are trusted with a lot of responsibility. So there is that. And maybe there's something about Potter's communication that is just not getting this to play. I don't know what to say. Yeah, so... um... One thing I wanted to touch upon is, you know, we talked about all these different reasons that it might be, whether it's players, you know, players regressing or it's, you know, this or that, whatever it might be, Uh, manager competence, all these things. I think like, all right, we'll see you later, Jordan. Thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, I think one thing that we need to like maybe consider is, uh, I mean, we look at the players, we looked at the ages, we talked about regression, we talked about how certain ones are plateauing, not performing, not seeing this, not seeing that, blah, 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 blah. Um, I think one thing that's worth like remembering is that, you know, Potter basically came in and inherited a mess. And the reason I say it's a mess is because, look, I mean, he basically inherits what, 200, 300 million dollars of spending that he had no involvement in whatsoever by a guy who didn't play the same tactics as, as, uh, you know, Potter does. Tuchel and Potter have different. Uh, different philosophies on the game. So, okay, there's an inherent problem. I have a lot of expensive players that are brand new that were signed by somebody else with a different recruitment model. What do I do now? Do I have to keep playing these people, even though they may not fit what I want to do? Well, the finances say maybe so. But even even if we have to do that, let's let's zoom out a little more, right? And not just talk about like finances and pressure to play and these kind of things and expectations of those individual players. They would look at Potter, right? What he inherits was an underperforming squad with a new ownership that's still trying to figure out who they are and how they want to be it on the fly. So there's not even really an overarching top-down structure that Potter's working with right now, at least in my opinion. And then we look at the bottom-up structure. I just mentioned all those problems with the you know, the mismatch and recruiting, the the key guys that have regressed, the the young guys who have just kind of hit that peak and they they haven't they haven't gone above it. They're just plateaued. So he he gets this squad with, with a lot of people who are playing a different way. We even saw that he tried to retain some of what Tuchel did, despite that not being what he wanted to do, by playing the back three for weeks on end, um, and having variations where we would switch out of that in some matches. So I think that's a hard thing, right? He's trying to overcome an embedded tactic for, you know, a year and a half or whatever it might be. Then we also look at how our 2022 form under Thomas Tuchel was, and it wasn't even on the pace it was on good enough to get us top four. So we already kind of had a team that was showing signs of downturn. So we have all these issues, you know, player recruitment, Potter not really having time to, to embed any of his tactics after Tuchel literally did it all summer and then got a bunch of players recruited to better implement his tactics. And then that guy's gone. What do you, I I mean, then we have all of these injuries because we have players 
that go from Tuchel's training to Potter's training to national team training back to Potter's training. There's so many shifts and variations and differences and not just the tactics that all those managers have, but the training sessions they do to better, better, you know, embed or their tactics to the point that decision-making for players is becoming less conscious, right? You're not going to have that happen when not only you're not being given time due to all the injuries and all the other things that we've discussed and just simply physically not having the time to do it. And then you get the injuries and you can't even have the starting team working together to implement. Players don't have the time when when these are the dynamics. They're not even being given the mental and physical tools to build what they need to build which is understanding within the new tactical framework of their communication, both not verbal and nonverbal. They don't have that and they're not getting it and they're not going to get it. So I, I am on the side of everything I just said is a mitigating factor for the players and the manager. But I still, if I have to put my stake on one side of this, I think that the players just are not good enough, but maybe they, with more time with him, Potter's going to figure out who who can be around next year. And he's going to figure out who can best play my system. And he's going to show to the actual players themselves, based upon their own performances, who can and can't play the, my system. And when those players that are getting the chances now and showing that they can't do it start not getting the chances anymore, they're going to have nobody but themselves to blame because Potter gave them every chance they could to do what was required, and they failed to do it. So now I'm going to go get this guy and play with him because I gave you all these chances and you never succeeded. And I, so I think that's like when we're looking at the team level of this, I think that's kind of the challenges. We have a lot of mismatches with age, career stage, tactics, injuries, just so many things that are not working in our favor. Um, and I think I'm going to kind of leave it there. And I think that that's, that's where I'll, that's where I'll stop this. Um, I don't know if anybody else has any follow-up from that. So I've been reading a lot of articles about Potter in the past, like his time at his other clubs. And what seems to keep coming up is he likes to play a double pivot, which, you know, Thomas Tuchel did too. But he really likes like wingers, like legitimate wingers. And pretty much since – maybe even before, like pretty much since Mauricio Sarri left, we haven't had real wingers with the team because Lampard came in and wanted them like very tucked in, very close to the striker. And then, you know, Tuchel kind of did the same thing with the double tens. And, you know, now we're trying to go the other way. Like when we had Pulisic and Sterling fit, like we could see that that was what Potter was trying to do. He was trying to have like actual wingers. And, you know, at Brighton, he achieved that with wingbacks, but, half the time his wingbacks were wingers turned into wingbacks, not fullbacks turned into wingbacks. So, like, when we had Reese James and Chilwell, and, like, you could kind of see that a little more. But, you know, overall, like, this is not a squad built for what Potter wants it to do right now. And, you know, it it, it won't be for a while if we look at the kind of signings we need to make to make it like that. And, you know, maybe that's like the fault of the ownership for going after a guy like Potter when he didn't really fit what we have. But like if he fit what we want to be, well, then you kind of have to stick with him through all the ugliness to get to where we want to be, right? 
And I mean, like, I don't think the solution is going to be dropping like 120 million on one midfielder and then, you know, 100 million on a center back and like so on and so forth. Like, we need smarter solutions than that. Like, you know, getting Fofana or Santos for like 20 million total. That what you just said to just throw a shitload of money at one player and call it the solution. That was the Roman model, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and like, to be fair, like, Enzo Fernandez is a fantastic player. But does he fill a $120 million hole we have? Maybe. But then what other holes can we still fill when we've already spent $120 million on one player? Like, not not a lot. And I think, I think that's, like, the main thing you can criticize the new ownership for is they have spent big to get a player in, and that leaves us short to get other players in. Like, you know, we spent, like, what, $80 million on Fofana, and we can't have planned for his injury, but – you know, how much more of that money could we have thrown somewhere else? And and then you're giving pretty much every new player a 300K contract. You know, how could we have put that other places? And I saw today, like, Ten Hag was going to limit United's wages to, like, 200K for every player. And at a club like United, that's going to be, like, a very painful process because I'm sure tons of players get more than that right now. But, you know, we're just not using our resources very well and it's it's going to take a very long time to get those resources reallocated in a way that works for what we have right now and like i I get that things have been awful but you know if we sack potter now we talked about how like the training changed from tuchel to potter that's just going to happen again and like we've already we're already down 10 players right now how many more players are we going to lose if like Luis Enrique comes in and changes the training again? We do exactly that. We're basically a, a rat on a wheel and don't even know we're on the wheel. Yeah. And like, and you just know, like whoever the new, if a new manager comes, they're going to do the same thing. Almost every new manager does. They're going to rely on the old guys that we can't rely on for very much longer. You know, like I love Osby Cueto. But, you know, he really shouldn't be with this team this year. Like, he should have been gone. You know, it, honestly, like, Alonzo should have stayed over Osbili Cueta. And, you know, we have, like, so many holes like that to deal with. And I don't know. I just – like, the last time we came 10th, it felt like we should have been smarter about what we did the next season. And, you know, Conte did a lot of good things. But I feel like when Goose was here, like, Goose Hennick was here, like – we wasted a lot of time still playing senior players, not like just like who cared if we came, you know, outside the Europa League spots or above the relegation spots. Where we come in those positions doesn't really matter. Well, I mean, Heating did to, to, to give Heating some credit, he did give a lot of games to Bertrand Traore, who showed quite yeah. a, a lot. And he also gave matches to Baba Raman. Um, I'm trying to think some of the other young guys that he had at his disposal in that time. Yeah. RLC. And I mean, but where were all those guys the next season? Not around. They, they weren't there because we, we had cause... switched managers and the new manager didn't want them. Exactly. So, you know, like if Potter can use this time for the rest of the season to find out who his guys are and we keep him next year, like there's almost no way this doesn't look better. I mean, obviously it should look better because we're at pretty much at rock bottom now. But, you know, I can't look at his history of, you know, like promotion after promotion after promotion and then making Brighton from a relegation battler into like a legitimate European challenger 
or like able to make those European spots. Like I can't look at that and be like, well, he's not ready for a team like Chelsea because you just know, like if someone said Eddie Howe would come here tomorrow, they'd be all over it. And it's basically the same CV, like promotion after promotion after promotion. And then you take a team from a relegation battle into those Champions League spots, Europa League spots. I mean, that's just what it's going to be, right? I have a quick question. So, talking about spending money, when was the last time we splashed money and actually worked out for us? Never. Because if you think before the transfer ban, for sure. What, well, do you, what do you consider splash, I guess? That's the that's well, because the... everyone's talking about splashing cash now to solve the problems, right? So w- when has that ever worked? So let's go all the way back to Jose when he first started. We splashed the cash then, but we built the team, right? And then we splashed the cash on Andre Sevchenko. Didn't necessarily work out. Jose got fired. So then Carlo Ancelotti comes in. But who was the, the mainstays in that team of Ancelotti? You had Lampard, Drogba, Terry, Chet, Ashley Cole. You still had the spine, and you still had really good players, right? So then Carlo leaves, and we bring in Benitez, and Benitez wins. Uh, or not, after Carlo, we, we got AVB. in um, AVB. He tried to change Oop. the culture. AVB right? was way ahead of his time, and I'm going to die on that hill forever. No, because he, 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 he saw that the way – it's very similar to what we have now. He saw that the players couldn't play his way of playing, and he wanted to transition. And there was resistance, specifically from the owner. So he got rid of he got rid of AVB and brought in someone to manage the situation. And we won the Champions League. The following season, we we splashed the cash. Well, not really splashed the cash, but we bought Hazard. But it's not like the money that we're talking about spending now, right? I mean, it was so like we, a thirty million, twenty eight million, or something back then, which was yeah, like probably but, really today, like fifty, if we're honest. Yeah, but we also bought at that time we bought Oscar. We had um Mata. Uh, uh, well, Mata was the, the season before that, but we bought in Oscar that year for the season, and that's the moment that we started purchasing all these young players because we knew that the older players had to get phased out. Yeah. Right. The Lukaku's, the De Bruyne's, Jose comes in, doesn't splash the cash his first season. The second season, he makes two signings because he said he just needed two to win the league. He got in Costa and, and Fabregas. We, we win the league. He wants to face some more players out in the next season. Doesn't get it. We finish 10th. Conte comes in, and who's he buy? He buys N'Golo Conte, and that's about it. We win the league. And then from that season on – Yeah, he had – no, he had um, – his key signings we had were – he, he Alonso, had he four – yeah. he had Alonzo, Conte, Dabuiz, who was critical to how we played, and then well, there's one other that in, I'm for- – Oh, Bachuayi was, but that was a total board signing that was done before Conte was even in the door. Yeah, but Luis was the year before that. He was under. No, his first, his comeback season was 16 that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, because he was after the. the he the was Mourinho sold season. by Mourinho to P- PSG and then, come, and then came, came back. back in. Yep. Yeah. So, but, but it wasn't, we weren't talking about spending, you know, 100 million on players. Like we're talking now that we need to solve the issues. Like when we signed players and we gave them the season to integrate into the league is when we've been really good like N'Golo Conte wasn't a player he, he was just a Premier League champion so he understood the, the demands of the league and Conte said that guy is perfect for me and can you imagine if we didn't sign him if someone else came in and got him because we got him early in the summer that year we had him when he was like the, the best midfielder in the world we, we got that yeah. version of Conte yeah so you know splashing the cash doesn't necessarily make sense so, like all the players that we're buying now 
or young players that we're hoping to, you know, to integrate this year into this the spring season if they're with us, and then next year have bigger roles. I mean, the last few days it's been reported that uh, Fofana is going to get loaned out and he played for us today. But he's, he's playing for us out of necessity right now. So I'm just like, the, the, I mean, I can understand the frustration, but at the same time is like this has been needed and it's just unfortunate that it's happening all at once. But, you know, if, if we ignore it and try to bring in someone else, it makes no sense. Like you, you see all the reports of, you know, everyone want, like last year, everyone wanted Zinedine Zidane. Like, He's he's not coming to the Premier League. He's refusing to learn English. He doesn't yeah. want to come. Like he wants France's job. That's all he wants, and he's willing to to wait around for it. Like Luis Enrique just left the the Spanish national team. If he can't, like let, let's say that everyone's that's chiming in for Luis Enrique to come in, he's going to want to play just like Pep. That's not happening overnight. There's no way. So it's it's looking at the squad and allowing the manager to to create the situation and create the model that he wants. But all he, all he can do right now is assess. And it's like Travis said, once the midweek games are done and he has more time to go over things, hopefully by that point, we'll see some players that will be able to implement those ideas on the field a little bit better. But in, until then, we're just trying to keep our heads above water right now. I mean, it's all we're doing. We're just trying to survive. Which and Even as a fan, that's how I'm like going into games is like, let's just look at this for what it is and see if there's improvements and we're like, you know, showing anything right now. I'm not even like, I'm not going into the games expecting a win, let alone a blowout. I, I'm doing what you're saying. Let's just, let's see if this team can keep their head above water. Is basically and, and, where I'm at. and I think everyone kind of knew that today's game would, was going to be worse than the, oh, the league yeah. game because it, it's like I said in, in the group chat, you, you have a set of reserves that have been in the system for how long. All right, go play now. They, they know what they're doing. Our reserves our kids making their debuts and mm-hmm. fringe players. So it's like, I mean, people are, people are going to say that, you know, this is unacceptable and blah, 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 it, which it is if you're comparing it to the old standards, but we have new standards with the new ownership. Yep. And the standards may be, listen, don't get relegated this year. And next year we expect this. And, and that's just, it. A, just as like an interesting aside to what you said there, we have new standards. Right. That implies that uh, a club is more than just a standard. Right. It, it implies that standards change as new people come in and mm-hmm. new ideas and new demands and new environments and new competition. And, you know, you have to be cognizant of how your standards align. And do they help us best match and exceed our competition standards and how and why is that true? So many different things. But what I think is interesting about the people that are still you know, like crow calling that we need to continue the Roman way. I think what's really interesting with that dynamic is that they saw firsthand that the Roman model became unsustainable to be competitive in the league for a title. Like they watched that process over a six year period. Yet they don't, they don't like, yet they still want to go back to that when we're not winning the league trophies right now, even though we weren't winning them under Roman and it's just like they they want they want nostalgia because they remember the early 2000s and what Roman did in the mid 2000s and all of that. But that was 20 years ago. The situation, the game itself has evolved. So why would the club itself not evolve? Well, everybody wanna, around us has evolved. So just just to add a little asterisk to that, 
is the Roman way worked because For a we had, while. well, the, the Roman way worked because we had an owner that was willing to take massive losses to, to have us be successful. He was willing to do that. Now, other teams in the Premier League have tried that and they have failed miserably. QPR tried it and Portsmouth tried it. They signed lots of players and paid Leeds. them a lot of money and leads and they paid them a lot of money and it didn't work out for them and they completely fell out. Yep. So that model, like just those are just four examples. I'm sure there's plenty more, but that example is one for four. And now that we don't have that giant bank behind us to throw money at problems when the things don't go our way, we can't think like that because if we look at the past, if we do that, then we're gonna we're gonna go from this side of the scale, we're gonna go to this side, and this side's very bad because those teams Leeds has been out for how long and they just came back, like twenty and years. They, and the only reason they came back is because they did exactly what we're trying to do now and focus and build and go. And it was a lot of failed attempts. Portsmouth, it, Portsmouth has dropped off massively. They used to be rivals in cups, and now look at them, gone. So we we can't, you know, we can look at the past and say, yeah, those times are great, but we have to say, okay, we have to look and see that what we're doing right now is going to hopefully propel us to this. And and this will be the last thing, and then I'll, I'll put it back to you guys so you, you guys can chime in. But I said it last week that Potter may not be the guy to take us, but he may be the guy that bridges the gap from where we want to be or where we were to where we want to start to go. He could be the guy that takes all the hits. He could be the guy that gets all the criticism, but he may be the guy that lays the foundation on how we want to play and how we're, we're going to do things. So the next manager who has similar ideas, but is a little bit more personal can come in and take them on. He, he's, you, that just may be his role. And it's kind of it's somewhat similar to Ranieri to Mourinho, um, what we did previously. It's, it, it's not completely the same. I and mean, there's, there's very minor similarities there, but I can see some parallels. And people talked about Frank a lot in the same way, that if he could just take us from point A to point B, that somebody else would pick up and go B to C, and, and yeah, C would be with titles. Yeah, and maybe, and maybe that's just his role. Maybe the, the owners have, have made a five-year plan, and they see, they see year one through three with Potter. And that's laying the foundation and creating the framework and then hopefully by that point, we'll identify the manager that has the credentials to take us to that next step. Because, I mean, that was the – what was the um, the assumption under um, under Frank and everyone that, like, they the, the, the players just don't have a winner's ment- mentality or, you know, they're losers because they go to cups and everything. All right, well, all, all that nonsense out of the way. Maybe Potter lays the foundation, and then we find the guy that's willing to go win at all costs because he has now 25, 26, 27-year-old players. Yeah. I mean, that's entirely, and I, but I think there's like a a bigger message that I take away from this and I'll, and I'll pose the question to you guys. You know, we just went, we just went through the reasons how and why historically that splashing the cash has not worked for us as a club and how it has indebted other clubs to a point of almost financial ruin. In some cases they did go through ruin. Um, Let me ask you that then. So if the, if the solution is typically not just throwing massive money into things, is the solution time and continuity and building groundwork? Is that the only solution that we really have right now for this team? Well, what are, we the, can't what keep are the options? Spending money anymore. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, well, what are the other options? Because if it's one of those two, if it's between those two, then the choice is obvious. If we want to be 
if the club wants stability, then it's obvious. But if we're just looking for the next, you know, cheap thrill, glory hunting, I just want to win. The next time that we capture lightning in a bottle. Yeah. But it's it's like the it's like the tweet I sent you uh, earlier about the quote from Moneyball. You know, we we can either we can either be ahead of the curve or we can be dinosaurs. And, And right now we're behind the curve, so we need to catch up. We do. And that's why I think Bully wants to change the model. He wants to expand the stadium. He wants to do all these things that will help us with the modern game, FFP, the multi-club system. Look, these are things that City have done, and it's worked for them for a lot yeah, of different so reasons. So cheat off the smart kids. Yeah, and, and I think that's what Bully wants to do. I mean, he looks over at Leipzig, and holy shit, these guys didn't even exist 20 years ago, and they're already a force in European football. I mean, those are the kinds of things that I think that we have to modernize and revolutionize on. And, it, and you know, it gets to your Moneyball quote. It gets to the, you know, the problem of Roman spending money and capturing this and that. And the next time we get just all the right things to just magically set themselves upright and we win a league or something like that. And we saw all these other teams that tried to do that same thing. And more likely than not, they failed because they didn't have as much money as us. And, you know, there are so many things that we need to do as a club that we are, haven't done. And I think that, these realizations start to hit home, not just even today. They hit home years ago when City and Liverpool. Holy hell! Well, why can't even we? Why can't we do any of that? And then we, as Chelsea fans, sat there and laughed at Arsenal for and, and Arteta for all of this time, and and talked about results and you know how they you know will progress this project that you're in blah 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 place in the league and and just banter them. And now that's who we've become. And now where in that situation do we stick or twist? Well, we saw all of the other ones that are now ahead of us. When we used to banter them, they stuck and they didn't twist with their guy. And they let that stability breed out. And it be, and that became the process. And it produced incredible results. We have to now suffer that own, we have to answer these own decision points for us as a club. Do we stick and twist? Do we stick and try to build stability? Or is this simply too bad and we twist and we have to find something different because this isn't sustainable? I think I know which one I prefer because I've seen too much of the latter over the years. And I know that it's a it's a it's a short term solution to a long term problem. So I think as a club right now, we have inherent top down issues that we're still trying to figure out and implement. So we don't have a top down culture yet. And I don't think that we have a bottom up from a player standpoint, a bottom up system that's going to help with what it seems that the new top-down structure being implemented is attempting to become. So I think that's where we are. And I think I know which one I choose, which is I, I want to see some type of stability. And I've been this way for, you know, anybody that's listening, I've been this way with every manager, even VS Boas. I've been this way with every manager. I don't see the good. And as soon as things go bad, to just move on and get the next guy in and move on and get the next guy in and move on and get the next guy in. Because we've now seen over a long enough period how how many problems this created after basically the spine of who we we had previously in a player personnel in the early days. They allowed us to do this chop change because we kept the core of the squad that were highly some of the best core, one of the best cores of of any squad in the world at the time. We don't have that now. So what's our choices? Well, like we said, that's that's kind of where we said there's two and. One of them is going to have to happen, and we know, you know, we've seen what one of them has done, and we haven't really seen what the latter can do. So I think that's where we're at. Um, 
I don't know if you guys have any other closing remarks before we before we end here. I know we've gone a, quite a while, so I think we should probably wrap it up a bit. I, I don't know if you have any other closing remarks, but that's kind of my closing statement for this episode. Well, just just one last remark for me is that there there's so much going on at the club right now that we don't even have an opportunity to see, right? Because yeah. we have a, we have a management and our, our ownership group that bought the club late, and they scrambled to get players in in the summer. But that all should have been done with the sale in the spring, and then they have all summer to to kind of go about their business. But they didn't, and that pushed back the transfers, which pushed back the coaching, which pushed has pushed back everything else. And just now we have the ability to we have directors in that you know can deal with the footballing side. So we're seeing on the field issues. I'm sure there's issues off the field. Um, we have directors now that are doing scouting, and we don't know if they're scouting for players currently or if they're scouting for players two or three years down the road. So there's just so many moving parts going on right now that it just seems to be like a, a whirlwind going on. And like I said, there's things going on that we have no idea about. And there's probably stuff that's not getting reported because it doesn't need to be known by, by fans about what's going on behind the scenes. So I think that as, as a group of uh, a group of fans, what we should just do is, you know, like obviously the, the season's not going according to a lot of people's plans, but the the constant the constant criticism and, and negative talk isn't isn't helping the situation with anybody. So I think that um, you know uh, singing the fans singing you know let's bring Thomas Tuchel and Roman Abramovich back during the match. What how does that help anyone? It doesn't solve any problems. It just adds to the fuel and make it worse. So I think that if you know, obviously, I don't want to tell people how to act at games and stuff, but just go support. Like, they're at the end of the day, some of these some of these guys out there just made their debuts today. Like, yeah. they, like these kids accomplished their dreams. I mean, they, like they don't care. Like, this is what they've been playing for. So, you know, you made your appearances. Congrats. Unfortunately, it didn't go the way you wanted it to. So, you know, get back to the training ground, improve, and then hopefully come out and put on a better performance. But you know, the negativity is not helping anything. I mean, no. It's obvious that it's not going the way people. Reminds me of what Andy Saunders used to say about like the, the idiots in the fan base that do that during the games and whatnot that, you know, you're not making anything better. You're just making it worse. And yeah. well, it basically give us a bad look in the process. So, so hopefully we have a, 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 a bit more to cheer about. I mean, I know there's a lot of London derbies coming, coming up this month with, Palace and Fulham, we've got Liverpool in it as well. So, um, you know, then we have an international yeah. break. So, it, 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 you know, it should be exciting. So, let's just get up for the derbies and, you know, get back to enjoying waking up and watching games. All right, I'll ask. All right, final question before we're out of here. I'll ask both of you guys. We are we what's what's our result against Fulham in the next match? I think they're on too good a form right now, and I think <laughs> that Mitrovic is going to. Um, He's he's going to be uh, a handful. So with yeah. saying that, we'll probably win two uh, one. I have no idea. I mean, because like in two days we'd have another fifteen injuries, and like none of this matters. Like nothing yeah. matters. Like this is just a bunch of dudes kicking a ball around for fun at this point. Nothing matters. We we'll watch soccer and then we'll all die one day. Like it doesn't matter. Nihilism, baby. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I agree with you guys. I think that uh, I don't really know what to expect. 
I don't know, but part of me just thinks we're there's going to be a collective uh, look around the locker room today after this match at City, and and I just hope that somebody, whether it's manager, well, actually, you know what? I hope it's not the manager. I hope it's one of the key senior players after the manager has left that went up to everybody else and said, "All right, guys, this we can sit here and we can think about the manager, this and that, whatever." But this is the reality. None of this shit is acceptable. We're all professionals here. How many of us are showing professionalism? How many of us are giving everything we can out there? How many of us are doing what the manager is asking at all times? How many of us are trying to help support these youth players through this injury crisis? How many of us are doing our goddamn job? That's what I hope somebody did. That's what I hope somebody said to them, you know, at this, at this, at, after this match. So I think there needs to be that moment where the team all looks at each other and says, nobody is worth no we're all we're all part of the problem right now we all are part of the problem even whoever might tell that to the rest of the squad could say that too but i hope that's what that that is if nothing else produced that collective moment today where everybody realized this is not working we're all into this together none of us are rowing as hard as we should be rowing and we're not rowing in the right directions now is the time to solidify and get in whether we don't need to worry about results anymore as far as top four titles or champions leagues, we need to worry about just simply getting this ship to have some form of direction or a purposeful direction, metaphorically speaking. Now, whether that's going to go on, I don't know, but I hope that's what we have. But I think that that moment is going to happen sooner rather than later. And just out of blind faith, I'm going to say it did happen, likely happens today, and that we'll come out and give a very good 2-0 performance and win against Fulham. That's what I think may happen. That's going to be my prediction for the match. Um, and I think that would be a huge turning point because it would show that things hit rock bottom, so to speak, and that we come out immediately showing that this that is not acceptable and we're better than that. And and I, I don't know what we're going to get, but we're going to find out sooner rather than later. Um, but what I know is I, I look forward to coming back and discussing a win because even that Bournemouth match that we only won 2-0, I was very impressed with that match. And, you know, maybe we can just see that again. It gives us a little bit more uh, to think that Potter, it will, if nothing else, it'll, it'll quiet the deafening roars for Potter's job if we can do that. Um, and it might give us that, you know, stability to go into the international break and then come back and, and build from there. But all right, guys, I'm going to I'm going to end it there. I know we've been on here a long time, but, it, you know, these episodes have been we had two episodes or, you know, kind of two episodes to do in one today. So a little bit longer for that reason. And a lot of this has not even been really match specific because of how those two matches went. Um, but, yeah, thanks for your, your time, guys. I really appreciate it. I know and we'll get some uh, let you go, get out and do some better stuff on your Sunday afternoons. Um, but, yeah, thanks again. All the listeners out there. It's a tough spell for us. But it's like Tyler said, like, you know, the negativity adding to the negativity at this point isn't going to change anything unless the ownership is truly going to make a change. And then giving a five-year contract is pretty indicative. They're not ready to make those changes no matter what happens this season. Um, so all we can really do is try to support this team through these spells, see where we go, see if we can improve, who wants to be here, who wants to improve, who wants to hold people accountable, and we'll go from there. But um, until next time, keep the blue flag flying high. Thanks for listening. And, you know, we've been we've been poor before and we've come out through it on a better side. And I think that, you know, we're, we're in that process again. So just hang tight, be patient, um, support the team.